Hi, my name is Emily White Rubin, and I am an emotional educator, an emotional life coach, and a certified Daring Way facilitator in the work of Dr. Brene Brown. For many years now, I've watched our world label people's depth of feeling as a problem, as something to fix or mask, as anxiety, depression, as something is wrong with you. Our suicide rates continue to grow higher, and our addiction to drugs and numbing continues to increase. Many of us are hiding how much we feel because our culture can be so quick to shame or judge us for being too emotional. I witness someone apologizing for crying almost every single day. I believe that we need more emotional education, more tools, more support in being with how deeply we feel. I don't have all the answers, but I want to be in the big messy questions. How do we cause less harm in our big waves of feeling like rage, grief, anxiety, or fear? I'm here to help people learn how to be there more for themselves and for others emotionally. Welcome to Feeling Deeply. Welcome to episode two, which will be focusing on grief. And at the beginning of every Feeling Deeply episode, I will offer the invitation to pause together. I have found through the years that when we pause, we can receive more information about where we're at, how we're really doing, and our potential to listen to ourselves and to others can expand. So if you'd like to join in, we'll take a simple pause now to check in with how we're feeling. And no matter how you feel, I'm going to invite you to ride just a few waves of your breath in the midst of noticing how you're feeling. What's that like to feel what you feel? and whatever it is to ride a few waves of your breath. I was blessed in 2018 to meet Jack Baxter, who will be my guest on the podcast today. He lives in London, and has created Good Grief support groups that are now a part of the New Normal Charity, which was founded by himself and his two friends, Ben May and James Sapwell. Their official line is, we set up as a project connecting young adults to help and support one another through life's difficult moments. You can find them on Instagram at the underscore new underscore normal underscore charity. And I chose to lead my first interview with Jack because the human experience of grief is so prevalent and something I believe many of us could use some more support around. 
Well, thank you so much for being here, Jack. I really appreciate your time. And I would love to jump in and just talk a little bit about your story and what brought you to create Good Grief. Sure, sure. So to tell you a little bit about my story, which um, started with sadness, unfortunately, in 2013, uh, when I lost my father, Dave. Um, He was 48. He was my best friend. You know, people talk about soulmates. Um, I don't believe that you only have one soulmate because, you know, certainly I've uh, I, I met someone in my dad who I, I could I could label that. Um, I've since met another soulmate of mine, and I, and I hope to continue to meet more. But my dad was very much my first soulmate. He um, connected with me in ways that I've never connected with anyone. Um, you know, he was my best friend. Um, I could tell him anything, and, and likewise. He'd tell me everything, uh, his advice, his wisdom. Um, and I was lucky enough to have that man for 22 years. Um, and sadly, he passed in September 2013. He had skin cancer, which was, you know, it was tough for anyone to deal with. As you can imagine, I was only 22 at the time. And it was, you know, like the center of my world had fallen out. It was a very tough time for me to deal with. And, you know, I, I, I no longer had that support um, of course, I have lots of friends and family, but no one like my dad who was, you know, there for me at times when I needed him most. And to be honest, where you know, I need him even now. I need my dad. You know, a, a young man needs his dad. Um, but mm. you know, we we went on a journey of self discovery. Um, you know, I believe that he was with me all all along that way as well. You know, I made mistakes, ups and downs, left and rights. Um, but you know, I eventually saw some sort of direction in Good Grief, which um, is a, a, a support group that I've launched with some friends, Ben and James. Um, and we we offer support and advice to young people in London at the moment, but we hope to, to venture out wider than that um, for the young people that have lost loved ones, much like myself and uh, Ben, who I just mentioned. His dad similarly died of a uh, brain cancer um, a couple of years after I lost my dad. Um, and to be honest with you, Emily, it was those people that I met whilst grieving that understood my pain that helped me most. Uh, ben was certainly one of them. I had, you know, two or three other friends um, who had all lost fathers themselves, you know, before or shortly after mine. And they were the, you know, the, the support group that I needed. You know, I had lots of people telling me it'd be okay and that it'd be all right. But it was those that experienced the same grief as me. They were the, you know, they were the precious few that I, I really did listen to and, and took strength from. And, and the group's been going from strength to strength ever since we launched in May 2018. Uh, yesterday, we had our eighth meeting, which was fantastic. Um, we're, we're launching officially as a charity. Um, and it's, yeah, it's something I'm very proud of. It's really, uh, all I say is it's a platform for me to talk about my dad. <laughs> hmm. And for some wonderful reason, people come and people listen and people tell me about their, you know, lost mothers or fathers or brothers and sisters, uncles, uncles and aunts. Um, you know, it's, it's a special place full of special people. Hmm. Will you share with me a little bit about the flow of your meetings what happens? Absolutely. Sure. So we, we, we first of all like to point out that it's not professional help. Um, 
because you know there is professional help out there I've, I've certainly had professional help when it came to my grieving process and i would recommend that if anyone sees the need to speak to a, a therapist or a counselor or you know someone in that field of work then that is definitely what they should do because it, it helped me but i think what we offer is a you know just a group of understanding uh, empathetic young people um so we we sit in a circle or at least around a table it's all very informal um you know there's like there's there's biscuits and cookies in the middle for people to snack on if they want and drinks are available so it's just a nice relaxed format and we sort of ask that you know that you just by being there just by being there you're you're acknowledging that you want to you want to live a life with grief you you never beat grief you know you live with it and just by being sat around that table you're you're admitting to yourself that you know enough is enough now and I, and I want to move forward carrying this weight with me um so we ask that people just introduce themselves we go around the table clockwise and we say you don't have to say anything tonight if you don't wish because it's a big deal it's an absolutely a big deal to sit in a room full of strangers and to talk you know that's hard enough but to, to talk about some personal issues that's that's very hard so we stress that you don't have to talk if you don't want to but at the very least just say hello and who it is you miss so for example i'd start and i'd say hello my name's jack um my dad dave died in 2013 he had skin cancer he was 48 um you know and you know it rocked my world and by being here today i want to tell you about him and then the person to the right of me would say you know hello and it would go from there and then you find to be honest emily that once people start saying their hellos and start introducing themselves questions are just organically asked by other participants um you know there's there's a whole range of grief sat in that one room at any one time that at least one other person can identify with um you know be it a, a death from cancer be it a death from suicide or uh, a car accident there will be someone else in that room that can identify it and then that's where the question's asked and then that's where the support is grown um and it's it's a wonderful thing to be a part of and something that you know the three of us james ben and myself are very proud of I'm really touched to hear how organic it is, how simple, and yet also how vulnerable it is in its simplicity to open up this space and to really go very directly into that conversation. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's, you're right. It's, it's so organic. Um, there is no, there is no uh, you know, seminar leading up to it. This is what you can expect. It really is. You just jump in. Uh, at the deep end, as they say, you know, you, you sit around the table, there's a brief hello, you know, my name's Jack, this is Ben. Um, we, we give a tiny little piece of paper that explains what we do, our mission statement, if you like. And at the bottom, it says, if you don't want to talk, that's fine. And, and then we just start a conversation. That's all we're doing. You know, it's nothing more than than talking talking to people about their loved ones, because, you know, I know it to be true because I've experienced it. You know, people sometimes don't want to listen to what you have to say because they don't know how to deal with things um you know i've i've lived i lived a lot of my grief wanting to talk to people but not knowing who to talk to because uh, you know some friends just weren't capable or able to to keep up with my emotions or to for my understanding and that's fine that's not for them to understand but it's it's in the precious few that i met along way that did understand um you know and that's where the, the idea for the group was was born from and it's it's like you know it's once you're in the room it's almost like you're in a in a safety bubble you know it's everyone in that room understands you're all in it together it's a team effort and it's it's almost as if the 
the insecurity and the, and the vulnerability is lifted as soon as you, you sit down because you know, you're, you're, you're here, this is what we're doing. We're going to talk about my dad. We're going to talk about your mum. We're going to talk about how sad you are. That's fine as well, because I'm sad too. It's normalizing. It's normalizing the grief, um, you know, the confusion and everything else that can come with uh, death at a young age. Yes. Yes. And, and also that reminder about not having to fix when you said you never beat grief, that really struck me in such a strong way as true that grief is something we move in and out of our whole life. And to be able to have a space where that's welcomed, where it's not only like, oh, okay, I'll listen to you, but it's, it's welcoming that aspect. Sure. It, it's giving that invitation. It's encouraging. Yeah, it, it is. And it's exactly, exactly right what you've just said, Emily. You know, the, the, the charity name, so Good Grief is, is the group. That's the support group. But we're launching a charity called The New Normal. Um, and the idea behind The New Normal is something that we were told or, you know, we, it's basically that, you know, you, you never, you never beat grief. You're exactly right. You, you never conquer it. You never complete grief. It just becomes your new normal. You know, you wake up one day. I certainly used to wake up and I'd, I'd, I'd lay in bed and, and forget why I felt so sad. And then it hit me all over again that my dad wasn't here anymore. Now that day it came where it wasn't a surprise. I'd wake up and remember that my dad wasn't here anymore immediately, but that was okay too, you know, because I've found happiness elsewhere in my life. Um, I've, I've not completed grief far from it. You know, I, I, I will always to the day I die, carry that badge of honor with me that I miss my dad every day, but I've got a new normal now, you know, new people, new, a new focus, um, new responsibilities, excitement, you know, almost new sadness as well. You know, other things have happened in my life since losing my dad that makes me sad. So it's, it's acknowledging that you are normal. You are okay for feeling the way you do and also for continuing to feel that way whilst being happy, whilst being sad. You know, you don't need to be guilty about having a good day. It's, it's a safe, a safe space to be able to sit around with other people that can confirm that you're not you know, a bad person for, for having a good day, or you're certainly not a bad person for having a bad day. It's, it's an incredible thing that, um, you know, I take no credit for because it's, it's something so natural to me. It's something so natural to, to Ben, my partner and, and to James to, to facilitate a conversation for people that want to talk about their loved ones. It's, it's just really is as simple as that. And it, it astounds me that as a society, we don't do it more often. You know, it's, it's, it's a real privilege to be a part of. Hmm. Yes, I hear you. And it resonates so much in my own experience as well. And I love this, the new normal, by the way, I love that. And <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I just love that. And uh, it's, it's helping me recognize also for myself that when I started to get in touch with my own grief and my own pain around being a human and, and how being alive breaks your heart in so many ways. Uh, it just does. And I remember when I started to regularly cry and feel grief and be with my grief, um, I began to recognize, oh, okay, this is, this is my life now. This is, uh, sure. this is how I experience life in a different way 
Whereas for many years, I, I rarely cried um, or no, didn't sure. even really know what grief was really um, when I was younger. You know? I mean, I mean, I'm interested to hear, Emily, actually from yourself, where, where does your grief come from? Is it, was it from a lost loved one or is it you know, a, a relationship? Because grief can take many forms, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate the question. It's been such a mystery for me, Jack, uh, the depth of grief that I experience. Um, sometimes it'll feel clear there'll be a loss of some kind, like the loss of a relationship. I remember I started to experience grief from um, a breakup, right? And with a boyfriend sure. um, mm -hmm. or from a friend going through a lot of pain and, and feeling their grief. But mm -hmm. it's been very uh, surprising to me that a lot of times I've, I get overcome with grief that I don't even fully understand. And sure. that I my mind can't always make sense of. And sometimes mm -hmm. later I'll have an insight around it like, oh, I'm grieving that part of me, like I've changed, right? And I'm sure, no absolutely. longer that person that I was then. Um, no. Grieving like a career change, right? When all of a sudden you're no longer doing work that once was so important to you. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, it can take so many forms and and I often share lately that sometimes I also just feel a depth of humanity. You know, maybe I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to someone's story and I will feel grief. It will wash over me. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an ever-changing and you're, you're very right. It's, it, you know, we as human beings, we evolve, right? We change. We do change daily we change and along the way we experience good and bad and and for all the bad there will be grief um and you know it can be from a relationship it can be from from watching somebody else deteriorate you know physically or mentally you know a friend a family whatever you can be a loss of a pet you know if you if you loved if you loved a, a dog or you loved a cat like like you do a family member and they have to die then it's it's gonna bring up a lot of of sad emotion and I think the point I'm trying to make is that even after grief, you, you will evolve for good and bad. Um, it's something we actually spoke about in a meeting yesterday is just how many people in that room. And yesterday we had, I think, 15. How many of you can say that you've, you've changed for the better since losing your respected loved one? Because, you know, I for sure can say that I have matured as a human being. I've, I've, I've developed into a man from a... From from a from a young man at the age of 22 you know i'm now 27 and, I, and i'm more mature than ever i have been i think what it does as well emily is it opens you up to to feel more to to feel empathy and uh to to look out for your fellow your fellow man i noticed in myself and i know through friends um ben would agree with me my partner that you know you become just more sensitive to to other people and more aware and happier to help um, happier to listen. So, it, you know, as much as it is a bad thing, grief, I'm a big advocate that it can have a lot of positives attached. You know, you can grow from it. You can become a better person. Um, and it's not something that you should hide away from. If you can accept it into your life and 
you know, try and try and manipulate it before it manipulates you and turn it into something good. It can be a really powerful tool. Mm, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And I really appreciate the distinction you're making around how it can actually open up more capacity for all of the wholeness of your human experience in being more empathetic with others, feeling more connected to others. The, the depth of, I, I like to say for me, the depth of the grief that I now can feel, I feel more authentic joy in relationship oh, to yeah, that. 100%. Isn't that 100%. incredible? It's so... It's, it's- Incredible. It's the idea of it's the idea of yin, yin and yang, right? It's yeah. it's. I'm a big. I, I completely agree. When when you felt so low, you can feel unbelievably high, and that's 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 the beauty of it. It's uh, it's it's a wonderful thing. Life that will continue to 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 live way beyond the loss of your loved one. Um, you know, my my world stood still for just one day when I lost dad, but it's continued to spin ever since. Um. And I've experienced an unbelievable amount of, of good in the last five years, you know, memories that I will treasure forever. Memories that make me sad that my dad wasn't a part of. But again, it's, it's that idea of the new normal. It's a, it's a new existence. It's, it's a world that I live with my dad in my, in my heart rather than with him, you know, directly by my side. But, but that's exciting. It's, it, it opens up doors, grief, in ways that you can only really understand when you're there um, and if you're open to that happening, you know, of course it's okay to, to wallow. That is absolutely fine. That's something, you know, we, we talk about in the group that, you know, you don't have to be Mr. Positive or Mrs. Positive. You don't, you don't have to, you know, expect the world in a day. You can spend five years wallowing if that's what you want to do. But I think eventually you get tired, you get bored of, of being sad and of, you know, missing that person and doing nothing about it, that the change can come in yourself once you identify um, that the time is right for you to do so. Uh, and as I said, it took me a while, you know, it wasn't, I, I didn't wake up, you know, on the 20th of September, 2013, the day after losing dad thinking, right, I'm going to make, um, you know, grief progression my life. This is it now. It, it took me a long while to, to almost stumble over that line and, and to work out where I was going and what I wanted to do. But I quickly identified with the help of my friends that we wanted just to facilitate the conversation and, and to help others. And the, the, the reaction we've had has been staggering. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite clear to me after only eight meetings and, you know, nine or 10 months of doing this, that there is a big, big population of young people, particularly that want to be heard and want to live um, with their grief as, as that medal of honor, like I said. And so you really offer that permission, permission to wallow, permission to not have to rush their process, to not have to get over their grief. Something that is very common in the States for many of us is that we're taught, you know, you can, you can be sad for a little bit, but then you got to get over it, right? And you, you can, it's kind of like you were saying before about you never beat grief. <coughs> I'm curious, um, in your culture over there around London, do you find that there is that kind of conditioning and that you're really re-educating people to take their time and to let it be okay that they ride their waves of their grief 
and take the time that it takes. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head, actually, be it that we're speaking from America and England. There is, there is a cultural difference in England of that stiff upper lip, pull yourself together, and it's very toxic. Speaking from a, a male perspective particularly, it's a very toxic um, thought process that we've, for some reason, adopted in the UK, um, that it's a weakness to show your emotion. Um, and as I said, men can be vilified for that, for crying, for, for showing that, you know, that they are weak in, in respect that they can feel and they can, they can grieve and, and, and miss somebody. It's, it's quite ridiculous to me as someone that's never hidden away from his emotions. Um, but you find almost that you just by facilitating these people and their conversation, they allow themselves to show the emotion. Um, we actually had a, a gentleman yesterday in our meeting who broke down, but it's encouraged. You know, we encourage that to happen. We don't want men particularly or, 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 or women for that matter to bottle up their emotions because then that's, I think where the, the bad manifestation can begin when you, when you're isolated, because it is very isolating grief when you're isolated with your emotions and you, and you know it's, or you believe it to be wrong to show them or to, to burden as people like to put it uh, on other people. That's when, your own thoughts can start manifesting into bad behavior or, you know, a, a bad path. Um, so yeah, we, we, we encourage that, you know, if you, if you're emotional to, 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 to own that emotion, you know, cry as much as you want, um, talk to whoever will listen. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, sort of cultural battle we're having, but I think in young people anyway, we're a new generation who are, owning up to their mental health problems, owning up to, um, you know, the emotion that we're, we're feeling. We're not like generations gone by that do bury it deep. Um, you know, so in London particularly, we've seen, as I said, quite an amazing uh, participation so far. We're looking to move around the country in good time. I suspect we'll have a, an, an equally encouraging uh, turnout from men and women. So, yeah, I mean, all in all, it's been, it's been very encouraging and in a way, I had no doubt that it would be. I think it's a secret battle that we all have. But given the opportunity, we would love to share. Yes, that rings so true to me in my life's experience, Jack. And it makes me wonder what it was like for you growing up, emotionally speaking. Were emotions embraced in your family? How were they navigated? Yeah, so interestingly... My family background is one of um, uh, instability, but with a happy ending. So my mum and dad divorced when I was uh, 10 or 11, I think. Um, and so I dealt with a lot of, of grief in that respect, even then. You know, I, I was grieving for the fact that my mum and dad couldn't, you know, keep their love for each other together. Um, so I was, I was witnessing the breakdown of, of that relationship, which was difficult for me to deal with at that young age. Um, but I was able to find uh, solace in a school counsellor, a school therapist. So from a very young age, I was taught to never bottle up my feelings because I had started to do that as a, as a young boy who was watching his mum and dad divorce. It was very traumatic and I didn't have anyone to talk to, so I wouldn't. So speaking to... A school therapist really put me on a good pathway for a future of communication, um, which is interesting because, you know, th as I said, there was a happy ending. My mum and dad actually rekindled their love. They got back together. Um, 
and they actually remarried at the hospice uh, where my dad was was cared for. Um, it was he was in his bed, you know, probably two months before he passed, and it was just me, my mother, um, my younger brother, and my dad in the room and the registrar and they were married and it, it kind of felt like it'd come full circle there for me. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd been set on this little journey because of the relationship of my mum and dad. And then we all came around full circle together as a family in that one moment. And it was almost like a, you, maybe that was the day that I can, I can look back on and think that was where it all started. You know, it was, I was reborn if you like, it was, that was the, 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 def- the definitive day for me to sort of recognize just as, how well I had done with, you know, my ability to communicate and my emotions because it was a, uh, it was a beautiful moment to witness. And as soon as we lost dad, it was on the agenda straight away that I would talk about him. You know, I've, I've never been uh, ashamed of the grief that I, I have for my dad. I've never been ashamed for the fact that um, I'm sad or that my mum is sad or that my brother's sad. You know, it's, it's something very natural to be sad. It's something very natural to be cry, particularly when you had a dad like mine who was so supportive and, you know, my world, like I mentioned. Um, so yeah, I, I, de- I definitely took a lot from, you know, Jack Baxter age 10 or 11. I must say he, you know, he, as a little young man, I'm sure he'd be super proud of what he'd be looking up to now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't often think about myself during that time cause it was just so traumatic, but, um, I've come a long way and it's, it's definitely, it's definitely where I learned my ability to talk, if you like. <laughs> yes. And Jack, when you are alone with your grief, so yep. we're, we're normalizing and expressing how important it is to have safe spaces to, to grieve sure, absolutely. and to be heard yep. and seen in our grief. And yet sometimes yep. we're alone and, you know, of it's course. late at night and, there's no one around and there's maybe no one to reach out to or we're living alone. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious, how do you process grief? What helps you when you have a moment like that and you're by yourself? It's, it's an incredibly, um, I mean, it's, it's a great question. It's, it's grief is isolating regardless if you could be in a room full of a hundred people and be alone with grief. You know, it's something that you carry around with you. It's almost like an invisible bag um, that nobody knows you're carrying. You know, as it gets worse, the bag gets heavier and you, and you struggle more and more. And unless you, you share that with someone, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. But I understand that there's people in the world that, you know, aren't perhaps as, as fortunate as, as others to, to have somebody to turn to, which is where you almost rely on you know, your strength of character and your love for that person that you miss. Um, something that always got me through, particularly in my dark times on my own, was was simply my dad's friendship, knowing that I, I was lucky enough to have 22 years of, you know, of unbelievable friendship um, and how much he taught me to be a, a strong person and to, and to move forward regardless of any adversity. Um, in way of, you know, sort of physical uh process i was i i began to run uh, run I, i'd started to exercise um oh, I, I probably did that a little too soon though if i'm being honest with myself i actually i ran you know quite a few half marathons and some full marathons in, in the name of my dad and for the for the hospice but i i experienced blowout in the end it's very it's very important that if you're grieving you're aware of yourself and that you're not doing things 
to force yourself to get better. You know, it's a natural process that happens over time. So I was almost running myself to happiness, which worked for a while, but then eventually, like I said, I blew out and, you know, I, I crashed and, and I had all sorts of, of, of breakdowns and, um, you know, delayed grief is quite common. That's, that's something that we, we talk about a lot in the group. Delayed grief. Is that what you said? Delayed de- grief. Delayed grief. Mm. Sure. Delayed grief. So, you know, we've had people come to our meetings who have lost loved ones. You know, there was, there was a man recently 25 years ago, he lost his dad. Um, and he feels that, you know, now is the moment where he's dealing with the grief that he'd perhaps buried for 25 years. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really interesting mindset that you find yourself in because people talk about the five, the five stages of grief. I don't believe in that. I find it very, it's almost patronizing to, to suggest there is only five stages of grief and that once you reach point three, for example, you will never go back to that. You know, that you are, you, you cycle through all amounts of emotions when you're grieving. Um, and I think it's finding those good moments to really sort of improve yourself or to reflect on happy memories. Music is a great outlet for me. I listen to a lot of music that reminds me of my dad. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all about being comfortable with yourself and being comfortable with the emotion that you feel, uh, the confusion that comes with it. You know, the, the, you, ha- you have to normalize grief in yourself in able to move forward. It's, 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 it's interesting. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and isolation is a problem, but I think if you can find at least one other person that understands it's, it's a problem shared and it's, it's a very useful tool to have, to be able to communicate. Yes. Yes. And I, I also feel I keep learning how to care for myself when I grieve. If I am alone, just like you're saying, you organically bit by bit as it becomes a new normal and as you accept and embrace the emotion and the waves that are moving through, you learn how to care for yourself in it and you learn what it is that you might need in those moments. Like I often, I love like my blanket and um, I've got a stuffed animal still, you know, I'm 40 years old, but it's, it's wonderful. I, I can find it very comforting to, you know, and music and yeah, those sorts of things that, you know, you're just caring for yourself in it. I think you find, I think you find your own way. I think it's very difficult, you know, after one day, after one week, after one month to know what is right for you having lost someone, you know, it's not, there's no black or white rule book to say, this is what you have to do. You find your own way. You find your own path. Um, for yes. me, you know, I, 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 I went back to work straight away. I just recently, I, I, I'd secured my dream job that my dad was, you know, a big help and a big part of that process for me to get that job. So for me to go back to work was a very normal thing to do to, to, you know, after only a month of starting this, this brilliant opportunity to, to grow it into something more and to make my dad proud. That was something I was keen to do, but for others, time off work is, is, is encouraged. You know, some people like to, to stay at home or, they might take long walks. They might start reading. That was something I did. I, I read a lot. Um, you know, not self-help books. I just, I just read story books. I, you know, you talk about your blanket and your, and your, your stuffed animal. They're comfort blankets. You, you find your way. Um, I think actually somebody gave my mum some good advice once, and that was to do one nice thing for yourself every single day, whether it be taking a, you know, an extra ten minutes in the bath or to 
buy yourself a, a scented candle or to pay yourself a compliment just to do one nice thing a day is enough to keep your spirits you know at a level where even if you're having a rubbish day you can have that moment of gratitude for yourself um because this is the point grief you know although we run a, a, a support group it, you are very much on your own with grief um even if you're in a big family like myself your grief is paramount amongst all of those you know it's you have to look after yourself an analogy that was told to me once which has really really resonates and it sticks with me is the idea of the the oxygen mask on an airplane so you know when you you go on a long-haul flight or you're sat down in the airplane and they do they do the uh the safety announcement and they explain that you know the, the masks will drop from above and if you have a child to make sure you put yours on first i always found that incredibly confusing and i think well why would you not put it on the kid's face first that, you know, they're more important in this, in this analogy, you know, your children will, will come before you always. But the point is, and the analogy I'm making is that by putting the mask on yourself, by looking after yourself, you're able to look after others as a result, because you know, you're getting that air supply that you need. So to look after yourself in much the same way that a, a mask would, an oxygen mask by being nice to yourself, by being a little bit, you know, cut yourself some slack if you're having a bad day acknowledge that you're a good person you're allowed to feel rubbish um by helping yourself you certainly prolong your ability to help others as well yes yes indeed so i'm also curious if you have any wisdom from your experience to offer around how we can be there more for others when we see they're in grief I know for sure. many of us, you know, we don't have a lot of education around that and it can be uncomfortable when all of a sudden a person we know well or maybe even someone we don't know as well begins to experience grief in front of us. Yeah, I think it's grief is quite a, an awkward subject to some people because they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. Um, you know, you might ask a colleague how they're doing and, and they reply, Oh, you know, my grandmother just died. And, and your reaction is to say, I'm so sorry, which is fine because you are sorry. Um, but a lot of the time, 99% of people will leave it at that. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you've, you've lost your loved one and then conversation will end. For me, it's, it's, it's so important to continue that conversation. So if someone were to say to you, Oh, you know, my grandmother's just died and you don't know what to say, just simply ask, what was her name? You know, oh, I'm I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother passing. What was her name? You know, and then then this this person will open up and will explain, and and you will have this conversation with somebody that wants to talk about their love for their grandmother. You know, it's it's such a an easy step to making somebody feel more comfortable with their grief to acknowledge it, not to just say I'm sorry for your loss and then to never mention it again, which is quite a a common thing in certainly in England. I don't know if that happens in the states, but it's. It's like you, you don't want to deal with it, so you won't. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a nice, easy way of, of allowing somebody to, to open up, you know, asking questions. Uh, second to that, you know, just, just, just by being, just offering your comfort, your support, you know, a, a cuddle, physical contact is great for me. I'm a very physical person. Um, so, you know, sharing that physical touch when, when, there's, when there's grief, just to, to be able to give a, a nice, supportive, warm cuddle is, is always welcome. But I think that's perhaps something that you need to judge, judge at the time with whoever you're talking to. Sure, sure. And yet I hear that 
beautiful offering of keeping that conversation going because it is also sure. very common in the States. I'm sorry for your loss. And then I feel awkward. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't, I don't know how to help them. So I'll just change the subject. Right. It's very, very common here too. Do, do you um, know what? Someone, someone, someone at the meeting yesterday, sorry to cut across you. So had, they had a great, a great way of putting it. It's almost like, you know, we, we treat grief so differently to anything else or at least lost loved ones to anything else in the world. If you, if you were to go out on a Saturday night and you had the best night of your life and then come Sunday because Saturday's finished, you never mention it again, right? That, that is such a peculiar way of dealing with life. You know, now that the night is over, I'll never mention it again. You, you don't, you go to work and you say, Oh, I had a great time on Saturday. You know, I, I did this, I met this person. We, we saw, we saw this band, we saw this movie, we ate this food, whatever it may be. Why don't we do the same with our loved ones? You know, you, just because somebody dies doesn't mean that you then stop talking about them. And the, the fact is a lot of people won't, they'll feel like a burden. They won't want, they won't want to unload on you. They won't want to tell you about their lost loved one. But just by asking, you're facilitating the conversation. You're giving them the platform to do exactly what it is that they want to do. And to be honest, what they need to do, and that's to, you know, the cathartic process of, of telling you about their lost loved one, their name, their age, how they died, you know, what their favorite color was, their favorite song, uh, what they do at weekends, you know, your relationship with them. It's, it's just about human connection. You know, we, we, we don't stop connecting as human beings just because somebody dies. You know, we're very good at it day to day, but as soon as somebody dies, we, we almost lose the ability to connect. It's beautifully expressed and it it just makes me want to ask you jack is there sure anything you want to share about your dad is there anything <laughs> you would like to share yeah absolutely i mean how long have you got is, is, <laughs> is sure sure no he yeah he he was uh he was a character to say the least he was a he was he was born in walthamstow which is northeast london so he had a big you know, a, a voice much like mine, although, you know, your, your listeners won't be able to see, I'm quite a, quite a small man. My dad was, at his biggest, he was 18 stone, which I, I don't know what that is in kilos in the States. Someone, someone clever enough to work that out for me, but he was a bodybuilder. So he was, he was a big muscular man and he was larger than life. And, but, uh, you know, a, a gentle giant at that, you know, he wouldn't hurt a fly. Um, but in his presence, I felt, supported and connected and I was you know uber confident when he was around and at school because I knew that no one would ever pick on me because you know I was Jack and my dad was Dave Baxter a big a big 18 stone bodybuilder but um you know to my friends he was one of theirs as well you know he was a he, he was a he was a credit to a fatherhood you know I, I I very much look forward to having my own child so that I can be the dad that my dad was to me you know we shared everything together our, our love for Tottenham, our, our, our football team, um, you know, our, our love for music and just for, for good film and, and nothing more than just being in each other's company. Um, he, he's, he's, he's a man that, whose legacy continues, which doesn't surprise me. He was almost, you know, when they say the good die young, it was almost too unfair to take someone like that from us at such a young age. But the legacy that he's left behind in all of us, um, you know, and even me being able to speak to you tonight, Emily, and, you know, for people to be at home listening to, to, to stories and, 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 you know, to, to hear of my dad is, you know, is, is, it doesn't surprise me that that's the effect he's had, you know, that's the sort of man he was. He, he lit up a room. Um, you know, there was over, 
400 people at his funeral, which was just amazing. That was one of the most proud moments of my life. Um, you know, we, 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 we pulled into the, the crematorium, um, turned around the corner and, and there was just so many people there. And I just, I, I, I just lost it. I started crying, not, not through sadness, although of course I was incredibly sad, but it was just the most, it was the proudest moment of my life because my dad, you know, he touched my world in ways that I honestly can't do justice just by sitting there talking. I can never put into words how important he was to me, but to see that many other people there as well, to know that he'd have the same effects on them was, was just overwhelming. It was, uh, and again, but I wasn't surprised, you know, he was, he was an unsurprising man. Um, you know, nothing my dad ever did or achieved ever surprised me because he was just an incredible human being. Um, and he's sorely missed. He is absolutely sorely missed, but I'm, I'm in a very good place now with my grief that I can, I can talk about my dad very openly, like I always have done. Um, and encourage others to do the same, um, you know. And I think that is his best legacy. He he taught me from a very young age to be polite, to use people's first names, to look them in the eye, um, to to respect elders, and you know all the all the good old fashioned um, house rules. Um, and I think it's it stood me in good stead. I've I've been able to spread my dad's good word, and along with Ben and my friend James, we've created something really beautiful in. Uh, you know, in his name, in, in Ben's dad's name as well, uh, Steve May. I'll give him an, an honourable mention. Um, and it's yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing that that I'm a part of, and that my dad is very much a part of with me. I think when you love someone so very much, and they're they're taken away from you, um, you you can do very well to not want to do something. You know, yeah, I think it. I think most people that lose someone. I think they, they want to help in some way, shape or form. They might just not have the courage. And I think that's where I was lucky because my dad taught me courage, um, you know, from a very young age. Hmm. Well, Jack, I appreciate so much your voice, what you've lived through and what you're building from all that you've learned and from all that your dad taught you and embodied for you and i can't thank you enough for giving the time to share yeah firstly emily i just want to say thank you for connecting with me you know yourself and you know so you're one of the people in the world that wants to listen and you're you know an advocate for what we're doing um you know so thank you first and foremost for, for having the conversation with me and also thank you for um you know inviting me on tonight to speak to you you know i i just want to really sort of sum up by 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 saying and, and and reiterating that there really is no shame in grief i think a lot of people recognize it as a taboo and as a bad thing but it really isn't a bad thing um what has happened to you uh to be someone that is in grief is in, is bad of course you know whether it be the loss of a loved one like my dad or a relationship breakdown or something similar but the fact that you were able to feel that bad means that whatever it was, was a beautiful thing. Um, and it's that idea of gratitude. I think once you can be grateful for what you had, it's so easily said and so very, you know, rarely done, but by, by owning it, by owning it and wearing it as a badge of, of honor and, and by moving forward, despite the negative is a very powerful thing to be able to do. Um, and I think, 
a lot of pain can be eased in others. So by helping others, by sharing your story to, to help others deal with theirs is a very um, emotive thing and a very selfless thing to do. But also to take time for yourself. Um, you know, give yourself a bit of time to, to heal, uh, remember your loved ones, and most importantly, never ever stop talking about them. That's my, 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 my sort of my personal mantra is just keep that conversation going. Don't, the moment you stop talking about someone truly is the moment they die. Um, you know, they may have left this planet in body, but as long as you keep talking about them, their, their soul will remain forever. Um, and that's truly how I feel about my dad. You know, he, he never died. My, my dad, he, he passed on, he, his body is no longer with us, but his memories and his stories and his legacy lives on through me and my younger brother, you know, my mum and anyone else who knew him. And certainly at good grief, um, you know, with Ben, um, and James and, and anyone else that talks about their loved ones, uh, you know, their the memories of, of, of those people are, are prolonged as well. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of, um, you know, and I'm, I'm very, very happy to, to be doing it in my, in the name of my dad. Um, yeah, he, he was Dave Baxter. He was only 48, but he, he will live forever. Certainly through me. Indeed he will. Thank you very much. Oh, and also I will, I will just say thank you as well to, to Jack. So Emily's partner, he, so good grief as some of you probably know is, is the catchphrase for, for Charlie Brown, uh, the famous peanuts character. I actually have Charlie Brown tattooed on my ribs. And when Jack saw Charlie Brown on my ribs, he asked the question, um, and he, he was wearing, uh, like, uh, some Charlie Brown merchandise, his, his big yellow t-shirt with the, with the black zigzag at the bottom. And Jack, when hearing my story said, um, he was like, yeah, you, you need this T-shirt more than I do. And he gave me the T-shirt off of his back. So that was where the conversation with, with Emily started um, because of Jack and his lovely T-shirt. So that's a very precious, uh, you know, a, a, a precious possession of mine that I keep in my, uh, in my wardrobe back home. And I, I like to put it on and smile to myself, knowing that there are people in the world that do want to listen. I'm so grateful you shared that part of our story. And <laughs> I'm very grateful to Jack as well every day. And I will just mention very quickly at the end that, uh, yeah, we're, we're very much in our infancy at the new normal in, in setting up our charity. But if you'd like to follow us on our Instagram page, you'll find that at the underscore new underscore normal underscore charity. So the new, the new normal charity with underscores after every word. And we'll have all the updates. Uh, you can follow us what we're doing over in the UK. And hopefully, you never know, we'll be in the States. Um, grief is worldwide after all um we'll just see you know it's it's eight months nine months old this thing and it's it's going beyond our expectations so i wouldn't rule out that one day we will be in america <laughs> oh i wouldn't rule that out either jack i <laughs> i am looking forward to you being over here in america oh amazing thank yeah. you very much Emily. you're most welcome thank you jack what a pleasure thank you If you're interested in being notified about further podcasts, you can click subscribe wherever you like to listen. And if you'd like more information about Jack Baxter and the New Normal Charity, you can check out our show notes at feelingdeeply.com slash podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening with me.